0: Welcome back to inside the pastor study podcast. I am Pastor Jeremy and I'm Pastor George. And we are here in our um Cold. currently like uh, continuously renovating church. Yes. Building. Yeah. My accident. But yeah, yes. this one's not on purpose. We had a no. we had a day um about well, a month or two ago yes. where it hit s- uh, severe negative temperatures. Yes. It's one of the joys of being where we are right. here in here north of Massachusetts in uh in like the top corner town of uh, north of boston, north top boston. Corner. Yeah. yeah so um yeah super negative day and uh, one of the pipes broke in uh, a, a section of the building thankfully we had no on a saturday yet. yeah it was a saturday if we hadn't have had that random event happening um who knows what kind of uh animals would have been arriving in the church in pairs right um right thankfully that was caught early but it did seven of them yeah that's true it did destroy a huge section of uh the church down by our offices it's been closed in this process of renovation, there's no ceiling on that side of the building right yes. now. You can look through tarp up to a roof. It's chilly in the building right now. It is very cold.
1: Yeah. You can't heat all of that. Here
0: we are. You know, we, um, We're going to hit 70 degrees today for the first time. That's what the rumor is.
1: Is it, it really? But the no way kidding. it
0: works up here, for those of you who are in other parts of the country... That this time of year, uh, we will have overnight lows in the twenties and thirties, and we will hit upper sixties and seventies, and then it'll go back down to the twenties. Yes. Um, overnight, and then it messes and up
1: it, your heating system. Yeah,
0: you have to. You, you, we will have our air conditioners and our furnaces on on the same day, and use them both. Frequently. Yes. Yes. And uh, well, I saw in a couple of days here we're going to hit eighty-five. No kidding. So, yeah. So and it'll probably again drop Beat down to like twenty the night twenties yeah. that night. So yeah. that's kind of how it works here. It's really wreaks havoc on our um our sinuses our syst- our body systems yes. and our heating systems so that's yes. coming soon for us that's that's what easter and New uh easter mm-hmm. spring all those things look like up yeah. here for us and easter is this weekend we're celebrating yes it that. is um and uh we're in the podcast studio on a thursday leading in so yeah um a lot of people do um uh, on this day, it's a practice we don't have, right? Right, Maundy Thursday. This is Maundy Thursday. Yeah. Um, and yeah. uh, that's, a, that's a day that um, I think I'll, some traditions celebrate as oh, the Lord's Supper taking yes. place on Maundy yes. Thursday. Exactly. And they will come and gather and have communion and then come back perhaps for a uh, a good, Friday, a good service. Friday service. I was chatting yeah. with my neighbor who's in a a, a commu- or the community church in town. And they ran a service Wednesday night. Great. of some sort and then they, they'll they do they'll do the monday Thursday tonight um, tomorrow their building is open all day for quiet contemplation and prayer interesting um, and then Saturday they will do a quiet get together in the evening uh-huh. and then Sunday morning they'll have their um, sunrise service and then the resurrection service
1: that is nice that yeah. is nice yeah, yeah. Except, except for fun. the sunrise service
0: I know I told her that when we, when I first moved here almost 10 years ago, one of the first, I was interviewing here about this time of year. um, And one of the questions I remember asking was, Do you do a sunrise service? Because it's Easter. And and I had been doing a sunrise service for several years. And the answer was no. And I said, Sign me up. I'm in.
1: Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that was one of the hardest things. Oh, difficult.
0: You know, I don't, now I think. I'm better at mornings than I was the, 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't know that I would necessarily hate the service. However, with it being New England, you know, that oh, it, could be, yeah, it could we be, we could have like a foot of snow we and, and negative temps on, on, Easter, on Easter Sunday. Yeah. yeah. We've had yeah, snow exactly. before we had Easter, that. so yep. Yep. yeah, so yep. it's nice to not have that.
1: I remember the struggle of doing a, a sunrise service mm-hmm. for me was, it was, uh, you have, don't, to have your brain running at that point, right? right? But on top of that, we don't do it. We don't do this now. But I mean, I used to, when I was doing sunrise services, I was in churches that had two Sunday morning services, right? So that meant Good Friday. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I usually was also a speaker at another Good Friday service. They right. would do that. There was a church near us, the that last, would phrases do of Jesus. last phrases of Jesus, and they would do that. In a three hour service, it would start at noon and it would go to three o'clock.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, so I would be one of the pre speakers in that. And then I would come back and do my own church's Good Friday service, sunrise service, and then two services on Easter Sunday. And quite honestly, by the time I got to. Uh, I, by, by the time I hit the ham, I was done. Yeah, for sure. You know, just a long week. Um. Yeah, it is. It is a real challenge, isn't
0: it? Yeah, to uh to go through all that. But I kind of love the variety. I I love that that so many churches celebrate this week and so many. Yes, it. I think yeah. Really, it
1: is. It is just that's exciting. That's different. really fun. Yeah.
0: Um, so for those of you who are new with us, this is the point where we usually go through a really cool long intro and we introduce ourselves to you. Yeah. And so now this intro is just a little bit longer, but I'm pastor. We talked about this.
1: We talked about this. We our did. Names,
0: th- yeah. We're father and son pastoral team. We yes. serve a local church, um, again, just North of Boston in the city of Methuen. And, uh, our, our goal with this podcast has always been to give you a an inside look, uh, into what happens in the pastor's office throughout the week. Um, right. I you know, I, I get this question a lot. I, I was thinking about um so what do you do all week? Yeah, in? the conversations yeah. my wife has been having. Her there's been a lot of turnover at my wife's work. Um and there are a number of um people in her office from varying backgrounds. It's really cool. She actually is really enjoying this. And um they are really interested in what I do. There's a lot of conversations about what exactly a pastor does and what Kim's husband does. And, you know, those questions come up, like, what does he do when it's not, when there isn't a service? What's the week? Yeah, What is, what does a pastor do? And this is kind of a chance to see that, like, yeah, it's, you know, a lot of what we do is, you know, the, the things you would assume, right? Visitations and uh, um, programs through the week. But also a lot of what we do is all of those details that make things seem effortless and um, natural um, when everybody's gathered, you know, we do a lot of planning and preparation for yeah. that, and we do a lot of these conversations where we're thinking through topics and issues and how to um, we, we process things together and figure out how the world is working, how we apply uh, an unchanging scripture to a constantly changing world. world. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so so we're giving you that inside look on yes. those conversations, and uh, hopefully you enjoy those. And we begin. Uh, these conversations
1: with a the theological term of the week. The theological term of the week. That's the right button. It wasn't the right button. That's
0: the right button. That one. If I you're like watching that. us online, which you can do, um, you know, find us on Spotify. We post this on YouTube too. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: A little little error,
0: but we got Just it. a little got of that. That's yeah. right Yeah. The word of the day. Is eschatology? Yeah, so we've spent several weeks working through um uh ecclesiology. ecclesiology. So these yes. these two are easy to confuse just because you're using the term, but they mean very different things. Ecclesiology, doctrine of the church. Yes, we've spent a lot of time working yeah. through. Church words, some yes. of them really seemingly obvious. Some of those words maybe we hit some in there that people have maybe never heard of like before. sacerdotalism. Yeah, that was yeah, a good word. Yeah, it was. Um so word it, of the year. <laughs> perhaps, <laughs> right. I right. I'm hoping that you were able to drop that word into a conversation at some point. You know, those of you who've listened to that episode. Um, but here we are, we're we're now embarking on um maybe the rung of um theological terms that many that you might have. Countless questions over. Yes. Um, yeah. This, know, what
1: is, this. What is this? Is there the to come. This is the section where everybody's ears just kind of perk up, and yeah, they're uh, finally
0: getting into yes. eschatology. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, what does eschatology mean? Eschatology comes from a comes from two Greek words. Okay, logos for log, the the ology. logy. Yeah. The ology part comes from the word logos, which means uh, study or word, mm-hmm. right? And then eschaton is a greek word that means last things Mm, mm -hmm. so this is the study of last things yeah and i think for most people they hear that term
0: and if they at least have some familiarity with it they immediately think "Oh, okay they're going to talk about revelation now And, and revelation is a book a part yeah that is part of our um eschatological Good view, word choice, yes, Right, yes. But it is
1: not the only book with eschatology. No, no. Actually, when we talk eschatology, we're going to talk about, uh, when we talk eschatology, yes, we're talking about the return of the Lord, but we're also talking about uh, judgment mm-hmm. because there is a final judgment. Uh, we're talking about uh, the disposition of the dead. We're talking about heaven. Mm-hmm. We're talking about hell. Mm-hmm and all of those things go into this concept of eschatology those are all last things
0: yeah and it, and revelation is not the only book that deals with it no no but not by it. yeah um yeah several in the old testament deal with the esca- with, daniel, yeah, daniel zechariah ezekiel it's yes ezekiel one, right? is yeah. a fun one right yeah
1: Taking that stick and figuring out how big the temple is right. in the new in the new heaven and exactly. new earth, yeah. yeah,
0: very cool. And trying to figure out just exactly a wheel within a wheel with faces that don't move. It's, yes, exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Those are all eschatology type sections. Yeah, there are even sections in the New Testament other than uh, right. other than the other Book other of Revelation. Revelation. Right. So, for example, Matthew uh, records some conversations from Jesus mm-hmm. uh, about the second coming in Matthew twenty-four. Yep. Uh, we also have uh, Paul talking about Thessalonians right? uh, from First Thessalonians four, and yeah. and also Second Thessalonians. Yep. yeah. So there are various places where we talk about last things, and so you can't. In fact, isn't it interesting? You have just in the New Testament, you have three different authors yes. talking about it. You have John mm-hmm. who writes the Book of Revelation, but you also have Paul. Addressing this not only in first in not only in first and second Thessalonians but also in other places, mm-hmm. uh, like Paul talks about uh, uh, having having a crown uh, or receiving a crown because you love the appearing of Christ. You're looking right. forward to right, the appearing right, right. of Christ. Yep. So, uh, and then you know Matthew is a third author yeah. who uh, addresses the whole return of Christ. So, very interesting. Just from the New Testament, three different authors. Um, you. Go to the Old Testament, like like we were just saying, you include uh, Zechariah, you include Daniel, um, yeah. Um, so it's a topic, and isn't it interesting, all these different authors, all of them agree mm-hmm. on the return of the Lord. Now, one of the things we're going to talk about with eschatology um, in that is that, There are some areas of interpretation available here, because we're talking about future prophecy in many ways. Yeah. Uh, But at the same time, when you're dealing with eschatology, when you come right down to it, you're dealing with some very firmly established concepts, like Christ will return. Right, right. Which is a, that is, uh, you know, in 1910, there was a group of uh, Presbyterians who said, there, there have to be. There are some specific fundamentals about being a true believer in Jesus, and they identified five fundamentals. This is what we get the term fundamentalist, mm-hmm. which maybe should have been an ecclesiology word, right? Could have been, yeah. Missed yeah. a chance, but uh, is it? You're s- yeah. Scrap the episode. Start over. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so we just, you know, these fun. One of the fundamentals of the faith is that you believe in the return of Christ, right? So, I- interesting focus. Um, and there's some other passages of scripture we're going to talk about, and some, when we talk about these ideas of ecl- yeah. of eschatology, but basically we're talking about last things: so, return of Christ, um, judgment, judgment, yeah, heaven and hell, heaven and hell. I um,
0: had a professor in college talk about um, understanding p- prophetic vision. And this applies to eschatology, yes, uh, right? Because it's still it's prophetic vision and work for us. And his his illustration on this was on looking at mount, a mountain range from different places. Yes, um, yes. And uh, so I was talking about this with some high school students recently. They had a question about this, and I, you know, said if you they here in I live in New Hampshire, right? And so we have. New Hampshire, we have the White Mountains, but you have, mm. you know, our most famous of the White Mountains is is Mount Washington. But yes. you have a string of mountains called the Presidentials yes. that are all relatively the same height. And you can actually, there's a Presidential Traverse hike, which is like a bucket list thing for me. You start on one side of Mount Washington and go over to Jefferson and Lincoln and, and others. It's like a 21-mile hike. Yeah. Um, which would be grueling thousands, cause thousands it's... of feet of elevation it's possible to be done in a day it's very no very kidding difficult. Um, really so but i was talking about this and you know as you travel up in the white mountains there are different vistas of mount washington and the presidentials that are really famous in fact if you you know if you're listening to this and you just kind of google image search the the um, places i'm about to tell you you're going to see different things so if you were to image search north conway mount washington you get a view of like the world's most quaint village mm-hmm. with a gorgeous mountain as the backdrop at the, the end of this main street yes and if you were to um google image search crawford notch um you would see again these uh, mountains but from a very different perspective again gorgeous one of you know Franconia notch these notches that we have Beautiful, beautiful, iconic places. The Franconia Notch is where the old man of the mountain used to live. Yes. Before he went crumbling down. Yes. Um, And then if you were to Google image search, um, say um, Bretton Woods, Mount Washington. Yes, that would be another ski resort where, you know, from the top of that ski resort, you look across a valley and see Mount Washington and Tuckerman's Ravine, which is another famous spot. And um, all of those are entirely different vistas. Yes. Yes. And as you, you know, if you were to just take that image and you had to verbally explain what that image held, which I kind of just did, you would say those are three very different things, right? Like one is a small town, you know, the, the other one doesn't talk about the town at all. It talks about a valley and a ski resort and and that other description just talked about multiple mountains and, um, and some kind of notch, whatever that means, right? right. And right. so you could say these are all different. Yes. yes, and you would be right, but they all describe the same thing, because yes, they do um you're just describing it from different perspectives. all are truthful, all are accurate, um all are images of Mount Washington, um based on like that uh my description of Mount Washington to you right um and so you know when we look at last things, um you have these different accounts, different authors who are explaining what is to come and they're they are recounting images that the lord has given them yes um accurately yes absolutely with, with full truth yes and as they vary in perspective um you can trust that what we're getting from god is this gracious uh 360 degree view around a thing that's coming yeah and uh, you know with still vistas that
1: we have yet to see because we haven't traveled them so that's the other side of it right with persp- prophetic perspective is that um, you, you may be looking at the mountain and you might be saying, oh, "Oh, that's so close! I can walk there from here." Sure, right? Yeah. What you don't realize is that there's this huge ravine or valley between where you are and where it is, mm-hmm. and that you didn't see. Right? Didn't see that valley at all. Mm-hmm. And that valley may open into you know a huge uh, other valley that you have to traverse before you can actually get to the mountain.
0: Yeah, I remember being in Southern California where your brother yes. lives. And, uh, sitting on his back porch and looking at mountains that, you know, were snow capped as his house is there in the high desert of Southern California. And I think he was saying what those mountains were like 60 to 80 miles away. Away. Yeah. But in that environment, they look like, you know, a short, you know, a, a short, short walk, Yeah, you, know, you could ride your bike to it. Yes. And, uh, but yeah, like there's, there, you know, it would take, I could ride my bike to it. Maybe. Uh, but not everybody could. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, right. So this is, you know, that's this is the essence of what eschatology is, is. Right. Reading those images that God's given us through scripture and then trying to understand what God's doing through them. And right. we have these terms in this whole, you know, this whole um, theology construct that help us better understand what those are. And we're going to unlock those as we go forward in future episodes. Absolutely. Yeah. So eschatology. Sure so it is. That's the overview of what we're going to be hitting here in a little bit in the theological term of the week. And we'll dive into some deeper ones uh, down the road.
1: The theological term of the week. Do that right. I did that right. I was oh, guessing good. again. Yes, again. Good. Yeah, yeah. my labels are one thing, and reality yeah. is the other. Whew. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. I dodged it. Uh, yeah. You know, it's great to know that you're a pastor who is tech savvy. I
0: know. That's a good yeah. thing, and it's a bad thing. I. It is. So. This is the first church I've served. So I've been in, how many churches have I served in? Let me think about this now. One, two, three, four. This is the fifth church I've served in. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. right. right. So um, this is the first church I've served in where I am not the lead tech guy. Isn't that interesting? It's awesome. Yeah. There are people here who know so much more about tech than I do. It's probably made me lazy. Like that's 10 years of tech moving and me not. Yes, Um, that's true but like man it is good to have really technical people as part of this
1: church and so yeah. like
0: all of the stuff that you're seeing you know is built by people who are brilliant at this yeah, that's yeah. cool
1: on the other hand you still are very much involved with our tech so for example <laughs> um at, uh, at we we many years ago moved to uh, video testimonies for baptisms mm. because mm-hmm. we found that you know you bring somebody in oh, my goodness, to be I saw baptized on this yesterday and wow. uh you know, now, th- now they're soaking wet and now they've got to share their testimony with everybody from, from the, from the baptistry. And it can either be like a total breakdown, like all of this crowd panic. and I don't want to talk yeah. in total panic, or there's no, can I say, shutting them up? Is yeah. it that, that, it, it just, between, they just we're, rattle. We're all
0: friends here. Yeah, Yeah.
1: They just rattle and rattle and you just want to
0: I we, saw an example. You just want to
1: have him grab the mic. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> maybe not that.
0: <laughs> Yikes. Um, I, Kim showed me this video yesterday. It is from a very famous church. Um, we, um, many churches sing their music. Um, and uh, it's not the one in the Carolinas. It's another one. But famous church. And they do... It, it appeared by the video that they do, like, on-demand baptism days, right? Oh, like, no kidding. There yeah. are churches like this. And yeah, they, we, true. We went to a church yeah. like this in Pennsylvania for a bit. Yes. Where they would have a baptism service, and there were people that they planned on baptizing, but if anybody felt the Lord prompting them to baptism in that moment, they could pursue yes. baptism. Yes, yes. And then, like, there's nothing in Scripture that says either so, way, right? Yeah, no, like right. In fact, in Scripture— It happened immediately, right? Happened, people, you know, our, our model is that in Scripture, yes. right? Yes, that. that, that that the Lord speaks and people respond and immediately get baptized. So maybe that model is more scriptural than what we do. Um, but also, they didn't have videos and stuff like that in scripture. So yeah. However, you was watching yesterday. Um, pastor's there. Woman's about to be baptized. He has the microphone. He's 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 interviewing her, asking her why she's pursuing baptism, and she is talking about how God has called her to save the animals, and. This, right. um, her response was God, um, equipping her and moving her to be the animal saver. And, um, and this was the affirmation as she pursued baptism of that call that Ouch. God was going to help her save the animals. Ouch. That's what he, you know, why do you want to get saved? Why are you, why are you getting baptized? This was the response. And he's just like, great. And then they move forward to baptism. And there's no correction in
1: that. And I was horrified. Oh, no. oh like, no.
0: That's not what this is for. Maybe you should head to the back of the line and talk with somebody.
1: We like, dealt with this theological term of the week a couple weeks ago. So you can dig that one up. Before. Yeah. So that's not what
0: baptism is. No. It's not what baptism is for. And I watched that with like terror. Like, right. What is going on? Right. In this church, with this poor woman. But so one of the things that we do. Yes. <laughs> to help with this process. Yes you know as we interview candidates for baptism and then I do like a final interview with those candidates with all those candidates for baptism over a uh a camera we sit them here yeah. in this studio very studio just change the background do some other work in here but we use this studio and we have them sit in the chair i think i'm sitting in and we just we i interview them and then what i will do after that interview is i will just slice and dice that interview um into a chunk that helps communicate you know their story well right like yes. you know that that They can articulate that they have... Trusted in Jesus for salvation, and that they're pursuing baptism as a demonstration of their faith. Like that's what I'm looking for, and I try and tell that story with the video, and we do that in a snippet that goes into our services when we do baptisms. Right, right. Like we do that on Easter Sunday and we do it late summer. Yes. Um. And I think we've probably baptized like half of the congregation. Probably. The yeah. We here. probably it's
1: have. Super. Yeah. Super it's exciting. Pretty, it's pretty awesome.
0: Um. So yes, yeah, so that's coming up. But yeah. yeah. That's how kind of how we roll. With that and I do. Yeah. I, and there a lot of things there. I've learned how to be a video guy yeah it's
1: amazing because there are times when you're cutting 30 minutes down to 30 seconds and then <laughs> yeah. there are other times when you're trying to take 30 seconds and stretch it into a minute and a half so yeah, that's, yeah
0: it's been there's an art uh, any of you video editors out there who are who do this for a living i, I massive amount of respect
1: for yes yes
0: yes it's hard um yeah so um that's not exactly what we're that's not no right it
1: wasn't now. where we we're going but it was i don't even oh, know how going. we got there but this you're is our tech stuff yeah pastor study right this is what we do yeah we ramble we,
0: we do we, we work through some things and we want to make sure that what we use is we use to god's honor and glory
1: absolutely right? absolutely
0: um so i think where we were going to go this morning um we're we're, we've started this series in church on prayer. Yes, as a um, as a mini series within a series. Yeah, very like, Shakespearean of us. Yeah, right? look at us. So we yeah we're we're talking through the sermon on the mount, and and obviously Jesus spends some significant time instructing on prayer within that sermon. It's a second yeah, point. Right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, point one is the you've had, you had know, well the preamble is the or the beatitudes. Yes, that's the hey everybody thanks for coming. Here's the initial thought I want to give you to prime the pump. Um. Point one: Jesus has, has that list of "You've heard it said, but right. I say." Right. And then you get into you point have to be two. more righteous. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you get into point two, where Jesus continues to talk about. You know, ultimately, he's talking about how he is the fulfillment of the law. Yes. And and the law points to him, and that's and and he exists as God's uh, response, right, to our need. Um, teaches us about what holiness is. Right teaches us about how God wants to be worshipped, mm-hmm. teaches us about, you know, what our role in this world is. Um, so Jesus is doing all that through that sermon, and he begins the section that we're working through now on prayer. Yes. Um, and so before you get to the world's most famous prayer— yes. Um, right above jesus please help me xyz right that's that's the second most famous prayer yes if if you'll just get me out of
1: that that's pretty close yeah um and then god is great and
0: god is good yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so those there's the list so um but in that before jesus gets to the lord's prayer he kind of gives these instructions right like this is the wrong way of doing something this is the way some do it but i want to present to you an alternative yes um and let's see, what, two weeks ago was I on and I was covering yep. um, uh, praying in the streets. Yes. You know, you have these people who pray for recon- in public for recognition. And the, the alternative that Jesus gives is still praying in public and when you pray, um, you know, but he also talks about uh, the way I was instructing that he, you can't have a fruitful public
1: prayer life if you don't first have a fruitful private prayer life. Exactly exactly yeah it's a key concept with this entire passage is that prayer is relational hmm. and if you're not developing that relationship your, your prayers aren't developing right and that there was a key word I was talking about in my sermon about
0: hypocrisy and we we if you're in church actually if you have any kind of like tangential relationship to Christianity um the word hypocrite is out there yes um and for a lot of people, right? Like that's this invective you hurl at somebody who you know says something but lives differently, and that that is a that that that's is in that a definition of, it, yes. of hypocrisy and being a hypocrite. Um, but it's not exactly I was saying it's not exactly where Jesus is going right with that phrase there. Like I think for it, it, I was saying in that instance, a hypocrite is somebody who is you know who is doing something and everybody who observes that. Immediately sees the irony in what's happening because they can tell that it's not authentic
1: to who that person is. Um. Yeah, and that that irony that that irony that's the that's the best word for hypocrite. Yeah, you know, it's it's not. There is an understood irony in in the word hypocrite. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not necessarily that they aren't telling you the right way or trying to live the right way. Mm-hmm. It's just that. They're actually trying, they're telling you one way and they're living another. Right. Very ironically, it's, it's, it's it's clear and obvious, right? Like there's,
0: there's sincerity, which is another aspect of this that, you know, we'll occasionally talk about where somebody is insincere or is sincere. Right. And so you can have, I think you can, you know, you can be sincere in your attempt to follow Jesus, to pray well when you're in public, even if your prayer life at home is lacking. But, it, you know, I think that reads differently than somebody who's a hypocrite. Like, you know, you may be like, I want a good public prayer life. I want God to be honored. And even though it's weak and um, I don't have that relationship isn't what I want it to be. I want God to be honored still. And right. so when I do this, even though it's awkward and ungainly and it's not, the relationship isn't there you know people can sniff usually the difference between somebody who is sincerely attempting something versus somebody who is being an intentional hypocrite who is being misleading and i think what jesus is addressing throughout all of the sermon on the mount is the heart attitude that goes into our actions and for you know the hypocrite the heart attitude is look at me look how spiritual i am please honor me right and Jesus in instructing on prayer, saying like the the heart attitude, whether you are in private or in public, is for God's honor and glory, not your own.
1: Right. We use this word hypocrite. I mean, I think we're getting rabbit trailed but it's a good it's, it's a part good part of place what we to do go. Right. In the studio, I, I think that study. you know when you look at truth, um, there are people who know what the truth is, and they may strive for it, but they aren't. They aren't there. Mm-hmm. In fact. That's kind of yeah, the definition that's for of... every single Christian, right? Right. That's the, we that's know the truth. We're striving for it, but we may not necessarily we may not necessarily make it in all places. That doesn't make that truth any less true, right? It just makes me incomplete. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's there's almost this philosophy that's developed over time of, well, I can't. I can't reach that pinnacle. I can't reach that spot. So I'm not even going to try. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm just I I don't want to be a hypocrite by saying, "Well, this is the way that, that I should be" when I know that when I'm I not know there. I'll never get there, so I'm just never going to try. Yeah, the illustration that I think
0: something that comes up frequently, you we compare a lot, there's a lot of comparisons between church and a gym, and maybe that's just cuz of the world I'm in. Maybe, maybe. Um, I've never had one of those illustrations, <laughs> but, but you know, a lot of people will, you know, they will um, not join a gym because they're out of shape. Yes. Right. Well, and one of my good reasons for joining a gym. Intimidation factor. Like I'm going to join this gym. I'm going to go in. There will be all of these muscle bound fit people who will see me come in with my spare tire and I, I won't fit in there. Therefore I won't go. Right. And, um, and and so we talk ourselves out of that we need to train first before we can even join because yes, yes. i will be a hypocrite or, you know it's really the thing like i will be embarrassed pretty hypocritical if i will be embarrassed, embarrassed right but the the truth on the other side of that being somebody who floats in and out of fitness personally Whenever I'm in a gym and it gets to January 1st, you have all those people join or, um, or whenever, you know, whenever I'm driving on the road and I see somebody out on a run on like that first really nice day of the year. And they're, they're clearly not like somebody who runs every morning, right? Yes. Like you can tell by their gait or by their physical appearance that this is a new hobby that they're exploring. Or um, their brand new fluorescent yeah. vest. Right. Or yeah, yes. like you see, they're just things you kind of pick up on. I celebrate that, right? As somebody who's in that world and I see somebody trying to join that world, I'm celebrating it. And I think most like, most of those like six pack ab like veins out of every every like arm and leg that people that you see at the gym who are putting up countless pounds of weight do the same thing, right? As long as you're not being obnoxious, like, you know, as you're coming in and you're out of shape and they see you join, they celebrate that because this is another person who has finally who is taking this thing seriously, do you need any help? Can I be a resource to you? Can I encourage you? Because this is this is a new thing. Right? Isn't
1: isn't the hypocrite the the overweight dude who joins the gym and knows all of the answers? Yeah, that's the difference. That's 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 the hypocrite. Yeah. He's gonna I'm going to come in here and I'm going to show you how I can lift my 85 pounds. Yeah. And then he will go over to that guy who's benching 305 and say, hey, you know, your
0: form's a little off. Can I yes. show you? I try this instead. Yes. Right. And that guy will look at him and say, mm, I'm good. Thank you. Yeah, right? exactly. Um and yeah,
1: so that sniffs of hypocrisy. Yeah, yeah. Right.
0: You're like, yeah, you maybe maybe they were like a championship athlete like 30 years ago and maybe you're just getting back maybe. and you have yes. this information, right? But anyway, the, these, these, the, this is the nuance in this phrase. Yes. Um, and it's really hard. Um, this, this is interesting. So it's really hard for an exterior person to determine the nuance. Right. Times, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's hard for me to hear you pray in public and from that be able to infer what your personal prayer life is like um because it's entirely possible you just know all the right things to say it's true and you've been around it long enough that you could recite all of these prayers and it sound deep and it sound like you have a deep relationship with the lord but it could be that you have no connection with the lord outside of that environment right right um it's um, sometimes it's really obvious, but a lot of times it's not. And I think what Jesus is addressing as he goes through this sermon is like, what are you doing? Right. What's your heart? What's your like? prayer life? What is yes. your prayer life doing? Yeah. Don't be like this thing, like this this image that I'm going to create. Um, instead, like address your own thing and,
1: and look carefully at your own heart and your own soul and your own actions. Right. Yeah. 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 And then my step mm-hmm. last week, I was talking about it's interesting. I, I brought this out. There's so your your passage dealt with hypocrites. Mm-hmm. Uh, my passage dealt with Gentiles. Mm, yeah, which totally different group of people. It's like opposite groups, isn't it? Yeah, they are. They like are. They don't get along. Not at all. Yeah, not at all. You know, hypocrites hate the the hypocrites would hate the Gentiles because they're not in yeah. the club. Right. But the Gentiles would look at the hypocrites and say, "That's the reason why I'm not in the club." Yes. You know. Yeah. And uh, this whole concept of the Gentiles is that they're trying to pray to someone that they don't know. Right. And they use lots of words, just lots of words and lots of important phrases or, you know, we, and, and they have a model of prayer Mm -hmm. that has been shown to them that requires them to say certain things and it's meaningless, you know, again, I think where Jesus is going with this, foundationally, is if you know God and you walk with God and you talk with God on a regular basis, prayer is not a big deal.
2: Mm-hmm. mm
1: mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's natural because it comes out of the conversation that you always have with God.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, and I think that that's a key ingredient. There's a lot of folks out there who are trying to find meaning in prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, by reciting ongoing phrases and trying to glue together things, and and this is something we also talked about with this whole idea of gluing together things. So we have, we have a whole list of. Maybe it's as hypocrites, we have a whole list of things that we hate in prayer. Mm. Like goes over into Christian music uh, too, to some extent. There's a lot of there's a lot of Christian music out there, and let's face it. Music, praise music, is praying
2: mm-hmm.
1: to uh, in a song. It's praying in a song, and there are a lot of, especially you know, older folks who really hate it when it's a a phrase repeated over, over, and over and over again, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then you repeat it over and over and over again. and And I get that; it sounds a little, you know, limiting. But yeah,
0: because I think right, this that. That's a whole other. That's probably a whole other podcast, but I think generation, generationally there is a different connection to that, right? Yeah. I think that there are, there are also, I don't want to
1: power, power, wonder working. Power I know, right? Blood. Some of those things. Yeah.
0: Something... I know. I think that there are, um, you know, there is a, a culture older than mine, uh, you know, a generation older than mine that really um, connected to ideas through, words. Yes. And I think generations younger than mine, I'm in a weird middle space, um, as an elder millennial, um, a generation is younger than mine that connect to ideas through feelings yes, and images and imagery. Yes. And so the, the generation that connects through words struggles with music that is written to evoke emotion and imagery. Right. And, neither of those directions is inherently wrong in themselves right exactly. because so, those are those are we're still trying to do the same thing we're still trying to pray to the yes, lord yes and uh some of some some songs make you do that through imagery and emotion and mm-hmm, some make mm-hmm, you do that through mm-hmm. great lyric and both are needed right? Uh, according to the psalmist yes
1: um but yeah so yeah. but you have you have this whole thing where yeah. people repeating the same phrase over and over again or repeating the same prayer hoping that it does something hoping that it does something and, uh, and that becomes an incantation, right? Yes. Like yeah. you're trying to recite a magic spell, Yeah. not actually connect with a person that you know. There are even folks who struggle with uh, congregations that use uh, the Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. which is right here in this same text, and they use it as part of their uh, liturgy. And it's, it's a beautiful thing to be part of a liturgy, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unless you think it's going to accomplish something that it doesn't incantation type concept but also if you're just saying it you're just saying it because we've now hit that spot where yeah, we're, we're going now 20 to minutes into the
0: service so we have to say this in order exactly. to get the deacons up to their front to collect the offering
1: exactly yeah. right so you know you got <laughs> there becomes a but then that's every aspect of worship too mm-hmm. doesn't it i mean exactly if you do if you do two hymns, take your offering and then do another hymn and then have your sermon, yeah. aren't you... You
0: have to sing the doxology in there somewhere. Yeah,
1: right. Aren't you... Is that meaningful? Yeah. Right? The goal here is meaning. Yeah. I was... And I think that that's the thing that, that Jesus is hitting here with the Gentiles and talking about repeating meaningless phrases like the Gentiles. Are you connecting with Christ in what you're saying?
0: Yeah, the issue is not necessarily even the repetition, it's the meaning behind it, right? Yes. The the illustration you were talking about on Sundays, you'll, I do this, you know, if you're married, you should do this. It's just a little note, right? But yes, you're talking about how, like, you multiple times through the day will tell mom that you love her, right? And, and, you know, same thing for my wife, like, we'll, we'll text through the day and, you know, multiple times through the day, my wife will hear that I love her. And that is a repetitious phrase, but it has so much meaning behind it that it, like, that it has value. Um, so it's not about the repetition. It's about what's going on behind. And it's about the relationship that you have with the person. Yes. Um, I had a friend, um, have a friend, a, a friend whose um, um, brother-in-law, trying to work through the, the, the relationship thing here. Her brother-in-law um, played for the Patriots a wow. number of yes. years ago. And, um, she told the story once of being up here visiting and, um, the doorbell rings and she goes to answer the door and there's a giant man on the other side of the door. And she just kind of looks at him, have, not really following sports. Well, she was
1: from Texas. She's too. from
0: Texas, right? So not really following sports. She looks at him and she says, who are you? And he laughs at her and says, I- "I'm Scott's friend. You know, he invited me over, right?" And he comes in and hangs out. And um, and she gets to over the week or so that they're up here, she gets to know the other tight end for the Patriots better, right? And she who does commercials her. for shoes. Yeah, shoes and Dunkin' Donuts and all all kinds of other things. Yeah. And So she gets to hang out and kind of see who he is, right? And, and gets this you know friendship um, with with this guy who now lives somewhere near Tampa. And um, and that's a different relationship than like I have when I meet somebody famous, right? I've met a few famous people over the years, maybe you have too, right? Yes, yeah. And whenever, whenever you meet a famous, this is, so Kim makes fun of me for this actually, like whenever I identify a famous person, which happens with some frequency, like I feel like I've run into many famous mm. people, maybe it's just living on the East Coast. Could be. Uh, near a major city, but I've, I've run into a lot of famous people and whenever I run into somebody famous, I tend to just be like, oh, cool, there's so-and-so with whoever I'm with. And they will be like, "Go, do you want to go talk to them and introduce yourself or anything? Nah, I'm good. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to give them their... What do I say? That's, that's my problem. Yeah, give them their space. What, yeah, right? My problem is always, what do I say to this famous person that they've not heard before? Yes. Um, Like, hey, I really loved you in... Like, whatever, right? Like, they hear that all the time. Um, And so, like, it becomes in my head, I'm like, I am going to offer that person a phrase that is repeated to them without meaning. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a relationship with them. And so it's just whatever happens, it's going to come off without meaning on the flip side of that. Another friend, his dad um, was a high ranking officer at a military base in Oklahoma. And at the time that he was on that base, the president of the United States was visiting the base and um, the, what happens when the president lands his plane, um, is all of the high ranking officers of that base will form a greeting line and the president will come down off the stairs, hopefully without falling on them. Oh, hopefully. And, um, well then the president, um, and his entourage will kind of work their way down the line in greetings. And, and, um, my friend's father is telling me the story about how, like, what you have one sentence to say to the president of the United States, what do you say? And so he really labored over this as all of this is happening. He's watching the president come closer and closer to him. And he thought, like, how do I connect with this person of great authority that I don't know and say something meaningful? So when the president arrived, he shook his hand and said, sir, I just want to let you know that I pray for you every day. And then the president like shook his hand and smiled and like went on to the next person and then stopped. And came back to my friend's dad and said, I just want to say thank you. That matters a lot to me. I appreciate it and I need that. Thank you. And then moved on down the line and continued, you know, meeting the dignitaries moving on. You know, he offered a phrase that had incredible meaning to that person because he thought about who is this man? What does this person need to know? How do I communicate something to them of value? Yes. So I think that's kind of the difference. Right. Right. How do, you know, do I go to this person and say like... You know, I loved it when you threw that touchdown in the, um, in the one really cool game. And what were you thinking when that happened? And the person was like, I was thinking, yay, I threw a touchdown, right? Like there's no meaning in that phrase. It's something they've heard a hundred times. And a lot of people offer prayer to God kind of in that sense. They don't know God. They don't. They don't really have a connection. And so they're just throwing out these platitudes that they're hoping will either make god pleased with them yes. because ultimately isn't that the thing that's like, the thing yeah can i take a selfie with you god can i you know, yes whatever yes. like would you sign this thing for me so i can tell all of the people around me that i i met you once yes um, yeah
1: isn't that accurate or, yeah
0: you know or are you laboring over like i'm about to speak with god yes god the one who created all things who actually was willing to allow me into his throne room to have a conversation. What do I say to God? Yes. And what, what can I communicate with God that's going to have some level of meaning that will, that will um, please him, that will, um, that will connect with the Lord, that will give me like, some kind of like I don't know, access or, or continued access or relationship with the God who right. wants to be with me.
1: And I think there's another aspect of this, because really we're talking about public prayer too, Yeah, you know, very distinctively an aspect of that, and that is, so now I'm coming to stand before God to hopefully say something meaningful, mm-hmm. but I'm also standing before God to say something meaningful, not just for me, mm-hmm. but for all of these other people in this room who are in essence standing behind me. Right, in the receiving line, so in, to speak, right? To be, you know, kind of like giving the, uh, yeah, you, me too, God. That yeah. I I want I agree with what he just said. Yeah, yeah, and there's you know there's an Old Testament picture of this, right? Because on a daily basis, um, the high priest or a priest in uh, in Israel's tabernacle would go in and they would make a uh, they would make a prayer for Israel in the morning, mm-hmm. and they would make a prayer for Israel in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the time you get to the New Testament, that morning and evening prayer thing. It's a big, um almost like a changing of the guard moment. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Like if you went to if went to London, you're standing outside of Buckingham Palace. It's yeah. ten o'clock. They're going to change the guard. Yeah, you're almost. waiting for it all to happen. You're just this. You're just a basic American who wants <laughs> wants to see this whole thing happen with all yeah. the bear bear head, the bear shakos, and all that stuff. So actually, in in Jesus' day, I'm going to say. in most is, it's Acts four is where you see it most clearly, but Jesus does it too. Y- you get this moment in time, also Luke one, right? You get this moment in time where the high priest is gonna, or the priest, a priest is chosen, and they have this responsibility of going in and praying for Israel. Mm-hmm. And Israel was actually gathering at the temple; they would actually gather. It's like it's prayer time. Mm-hmm. We need to go there to see what happens in the prayer. Yeah, and this priest would go in. Imagine this. He would go in knowing that he's praying for this entire country, and outside there's this huge, this huge group of people yeah. who are crowding around this temple because he's gone in to pray. Yeah. When we're praying publicly, we're praying for everybody in the room.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: One of the things I talked about last week about meaninglessness is a lot of times because we would be more comfortable talking to the people behind us, we start saying stuff for them mm-hmm. and that's meaningless. Mm. That's just empty words because God already knows all that stuff. Don't, don't preach. Yeah. Pray. Yeah. Talk to God for us. Yeah. Or talk to, I, Tell him, tell him how we feel. Speak for us. Yeah.
0: That's the thing I think a lot of us fall into. I think a lot of pastors fall into that, right? Like, oh,
1: very much so. Know, we
0: go to land the plane on our service on Sunday. Yeah. And- Like, remember that last point that we really didn't nail home that well, but it's you know, people are their stomachs are rumbling, and so we have to close the sermon out. And so, we spend the first like two minutes of our prayer just giving the fourth point that we forgot. Like, we did three points in a cloud of dust, and now we're like, oh no, there was a fourth I just thought of. And so, as I pray, I'm just going to teach you all this fourth point that hopefully you'll remember. We're just inviting Jesus into that conversation, and that's kind of empty.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. It's. it's a, uh, you're not talking to God. You're talking to people in the room. It's yeah. very empty. Yeah, very it's,
0: empty. It's a. Uh, it's a failure often that we that we'll fall into. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you know, there's a lot of verses in Scripture that terrify me, and um, one of them is you know where there is a, a, an excess of words, sin is not absent. Yes, definitely. Somebody who talks for a living, I'm like, oh my goodness, definitely true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a that's and an that, area where that also kind of
1: overlaps into prayer because yeah. you know it's. Just, we want people to feel like we're actually, you know, like we're actually doing something, mm-hmm. and rather than relying upon the reality of God's presence and the joy of a relationship that says, "I can stand here and I can talk for all of these people," yeah, we just start throwing all kinds of words in there.
0: Yeah. So, so as we close, you know, we have about a few minutes left in the in the episode. Like, what are some takeaways we can give people to try and? Uh, work on is that fair can we yeah. we can work on prayer yeah. we can work on improving this skill yeah. and this um this this conversation right yeah so so what are some things that you would do to encourage people or think about as they go to pray
1: maybe publicly or privately to keep them from doing something meaningless but right. instead do something meaningful so a couple of things first of all there's nothing wrong with starting out in a public or personal prayer life with using a lot of phrases that other people use. Hmm.
0: Dear God, thank you for this day.
1: Uh, yeah, no, no problem. <laughs> what what you're basically doing is you are learning, you're you're learning how to talk to God. Those are training wheel prayers. Mm-hmm. So if you if you are the kind of person who you're looking for something, you, you want to start talking to God in prayer, and you want to use somebody else's prayers to do that. Wonderful. I think actually one of the reasons that Jesus gives us his prayer that we're going to look at in the next couple of weeks is he wants us to learn how to pray. Here's a good, here's a good pattern. Start praying this one. You'll eventually, the goal is you'll eventually become so close to God that you might follow the same pattern, but you're going to put it in your own words and you're going to pray with feelings. So there's nothing wrong with starting out with a training wheel prayer. Mm Mm-hmm. As long as it leads you to that place of, of relationship, relationship. Yeah. right? Uh, second thing that I think is interesting that uh, maybe is like nails to the chalkboard to some folks is go ahead and write it out.
2: mm
1: mm-hmm. um, Write out what you want to pray. Now, if you're going to do this, do it right. Write it out. Write it all out and then read it to God. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen that happen. It's often wonderful. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, it's 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 refreshing. It's beautiful. It also teaches you some, in some ways, some aspects of spontaneity. mm mm-hmm. uh, So that's that's training step number two. Uh, st- training step number three is allow for silence. Mm, I love silence in prayer time. Yes. Allow for silence. I think that it's important for us to allow for silence. Um, you're not monologuing. Prayer is not a monologue. Mm-hmm. It is a dialogue with God. So that means if you will end the sentence and just stay quiet, give God an opportunity to answer. Mm-hmm. Now, there are people who are now like, what will he say? What will he say? <laughs> yeah. you know? Probably what he will say is something from scripture yeah, that then, he will yeah. remind you of in that very moment. And you're going to have your answer prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think a lot of us struggle with answers to prayer because we're not quiet enough Yeah, or in the Bible enough, in the Bible enough. Exactly. Right. Both yeah. of those things. So, so those are, those are some things. Um, another thing is just, just start praying, mm-hmm. just do it. Um, I think the longer, the more you interact with God, um, and the more honest you are with God in your prayer life, the the better it gets. And just some ideas here, um, I, I like landmark praying. Yeah, yep, that was a good um, one. I might drive past somebody's house that's in the congregation. That means that I pray for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if I drive past the hospital, I pray for people in my congregation who might be ill mm-hmm. um, or struggling with long-term illness. Um, yep. I had a student who uh,
0: drove a car that was kind of common. Um, and every time I saw that car on the road when I was out and about and reminded me to pray for that student. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I do. I use, uh, the reminder feature in my phone
1: nice, and I have, nice.
0: I have a one o'clock prayer time yeah. every day. And there are certain people that like, will every week will pop up like every, every Monday. There are a couple people I pray for every Tuesday. Yes, that I yes, I pray for. Yes. So at one o'clock, my phone will vibrate in my pocket. And I, because I hate um, notifications on my phone and I need to cancel stuff out when I get it, I will, it will remind me to pray so that I can cancel off those, um, those badges and get my home screen back to looking nice. Yes. Clean. Like it's good. Um, yeah. So yeah. like the on red things bother me. Yeah. So, so that's the thing I do to yeah. kind of like spark that yeah, yeah. time of prayer.
1: Kind of same concept. So like once a week I will come in after everyone is out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will walk through the auditorium in the church, and since people have definite patterns and exi- of their existence, mm-hmm. um, I will walk through the church and I will pray by row hmm. for the people of the church. Because that, yeah, this is it's landmarks. Yeah. It's just landmarks. So yeah, landmarks great. are great, and you can develop your own landmarks, and and that's a good way to pray because it's just kind of a reminder. And learn to pray for people's needs. And try to be more specific. Hmm. I think hmm. that we throw out these statements to to God. Good start. It's mm-hmm. a good start, but we just say, "God bless Bill." Bill, yeah. right? Um, look for things that Bill needs to pray for.
0: Yeah, and I think the beauty of having like some things built in where you like commit to pray for Bill every week. Yes, is at some point you're like, "Man, I've been saying the same thing about Bill for a while," and that's going to do make two things happen. It's going to make you um, first check in with Bill to see if that. Thing if he's seeing response from God in those areas that you've been praying over. Yes. And it's also going to make you start to think like, I've been saying this over and over and over again. Maybe I should you know, think more carefully about what Bill needs yes. and what I want God to know about in Bill's life. Yes. And uh, it's going to deepen. It's going to naturally start to deepen your, your conversation. Yeah. Um, I think the last thing I would hit, um, you know, going back to what you were talking about, you know, as you're praying in front of a crowd before the Lord, is to try and just mentally remind yourself of that as you're going to pray. Yes. Like I am Yes, like just quiet your heart and say, all right, I know I'm in a room with people I know or don't know. I know I'm in a room and I'm looking at all of these faces, but I'm standing between them and God. And my conversation is with God. How do I address God? And then take your deep breath and begin to pray. Right. Um, Cause otherwise it is really easy. Like you've just, you just finished talking to all these people. Maybe you, got their prayer requests beforehand, or maybe you came into that room and you're all chatting and then somebody said, hey, we should pray. And so you all kind of bow your heads. You're just transitioning out of that space of having conversation with everybody in the room. Um, and it's just helpful to take a deep breath and remind yourself of who you're speaking to. Because I, yeah. I see that all the time where people start praying and they're actually like, they're, <laughs> they they will refer to Jesus in the third person. Did you, you ever catch this? Yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. they're like, wait, but you're talking to Jesus. You don't really refer to that. Yeah. You know, Say yeah, you. Right. Say you. Say yes. yes. Don't say Jesus. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. So, yeah, but if you remind yourself on who you're speaking with before yes. you begin the conversation, it could help.
1: Yeah. So, many years ago, interesting story. Many years ago, I was on a jury for a murder trial. Mm-hmm. Um, listened, sat in the jury box for all 21 days of that trial, um, and then was chosen as an alternate at the last minute. Mm-hmm. So, I'm in the alternate room and the other twelve are in the main jury, mm-hmm. and they they deliberated for four hours, couldn't come with to a verdict. Next day we start, and they are all they are all harassed, and they're just they come into the room, and uh, one of one of the one of the twelve, um, said to me, because they all knew what I did, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. One of the twelve just said to me, uh, "Pastor, would you pray for us before we go in?" Mm and i remember the joy of talking to god for them mm. because they didn't know who they were talking to yeah and he, interestingly enough the issues that i addressed to god mm-hmm. were their needs mm. and they told me afterwards that they walked into the jury room after that prayer and they realized that i had addressed their needs to God and brought them there and they were able to solve the problem and come to a verdict in an hour. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you never know what, you, just talk to God. Mm-hmm. Just talk to God. And you know, the, the exciting thing is here's, here's what, here's how that passage ends and we'll probably end here, but here's how that passage ends. It says, your father already knows what you need. Yeah. Yeah. He's waiting for you to ask for it and identify it, and He's going to help you identify it as you pray. Mm -hmm. So that's that whole sensitivity. Learn to be quiet. Talk to Him, not to everybody else.
0: Great. Hopefully that's an encouragement to you as we talk with
1: you about Him.
0: And uh, thanks for joining us. We hope that um, If you're listening to us in real time and you actually joined us, um, you know, the week before Easter, we hope you have a wonderful Easter yes. as a family. Yes. And if you're catching us later, we hope you had a great Easter um, and uh, we'll see you back here next time. Uh, have a good week, everyone. Bye now. You have been listening to Inside the Pastor Study podcast with Pastors George and Jeremy Stevens. Artwork by Caitlin Gallagher, music by San Demetrius, and engineering help from Ashley Gallagher. To find out more about us, head to Marsh Corner.